Question 73 of Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, on the Angels and on the Six Days. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica, Pars Prima, on the Angels and on the Six Days, by St. Thomas Aquinas, translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 73 on the things that belong to the seventh day in three articles we must next consider the things that belong to the seventh day under this head there are three points of inquiry one about the completion of the works two about the resting of god three about the blessing and sanctifying of this day first article whether the completion of the divine works ought to be ascribed to the seventh day. Objection 1. It would seem that the completion of the divine works ought not to be ascribed to the seventh day. For all things that are done in this world belong to the divine works. But the consummation of the world will be at the end of the world. In Matthew chapter 13 verses 39 and 40. Moreover, the time of Christ's incarnation is a time of completion, wherefore it is called the time of fullness, in the Vulgate the fullness of time, Galatians chapter 4 verse 4. And Christ himself at the moment of his death cried out, It is consummated, in John chapter 19 verse 30. Hence the completion of the divine works do not belong to the seventh day. Objection 2. Further, the completion of a work is an act in itself. But we do not read that God acted at all on the seventh day, but rather that he rested from all his work. Therefore, the completion of the works does not belong to the seventh day. Objection 3. Further, nothing is said to be complete to which many things are added, unless they are merely superfluous, for a thing is called perfect to which nothing is wanting that it ought to possess. But many things were made after the seventh day, as the production of many individual beings, and even of certain new species that are frequently appearing, especially in the case of animals generated from putrefaction. Also, God creates daily new souls. Again, the work of the Incarnation was a new work, of which it is said, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 22 The Lord hath created a new thing upon the earth. Miracles also are new works, of which it is said in Ecclesiastes chapter 36 verse 6, Renew thy signs and work new miracles. Moreover, all things will be made new when the saints are glorified, according to Apocalypse chapter 21 verse 5. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Therefore, the completion of the divine works ought not to be attributed to the seventh day. On the contrary, it is said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. I answer that the perfection of a thing is twofold, the first perfection and the second perfection. The first perfection is that according to which a thing is substantially perfect 
and this perfection is the form of the whole, which form results from the whole having its parts complete. But the second perfection is the end, which is either an operation, as the end of the harpist is to play the harp, or something that is attained by an operation, as the end of the builder is the house that he makes by building. But the first perfection is the cause of the second, because the form is the principle of operation. Now the final perfection, which is the end of the whole universe, is the perfect beatitude of the saints at the consummation of the world, and the first perfection is the completeness of the universe at its first founding, and that is what is ascribed to the seventh day. Reply to Objection 1 The first perfection is the cause of the second, as above said. Now, for the attaining of beatitude, two things are required, nature and grace. Therefore, as said above, the perfection of beatitude will be at the end of the world. But this consummation existed previously in its causes, as to nature, at the first founding of the world, as to grace in the incarnation of Christ. For grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, in John chapter 1, verse 17. So, then, on the seventh day was the consummation of nature, in Christ's incarnation the consummation of grace, and at the end of the world will be the consummation of glory. Reply to Objection 2. God did act on the seventh day, not by creating new creatures, but by directing and moving his creatures to the work proper to them, and thus he made some beginning of the second perfection. So that, according to our version of the scripture, the completion of the works is attributed to the seventh day, though, according to another, it is assigned to the sixth. Either version, however, may stand, since the completion of the universe as to the completeness of its parts belongs to the sixth day, but its completion as regards their operation to the seventh. It may also be added that in continuous movement, so long as any movement further is possible, movement cannot be called completed till it comes to rest, for rest denotes consummation of movement. Now, God might have made many other creatures besides those which he made in the six days, and hence, by the fact that he ceased making them on the seventh day, he is said on that day to have consummated his work. Reply to Objection 3 Nothing entirely new was afterwards made by God, but all things subsequently made had, in a sense, been made before in the work of the six days. Some things, indeed, had a previous experience materially, as the rib from the side of Adam, out of which God formed Eve, whilst others existed not only in matter, but also in their causes, as those individual creatures that are now generated existed in the first of their kind. Species also that are new, if any such appear, existed beforehand in various active powers, so that animals, and perhaps even new species of animals, are produced by putrefaction by the power which the stars and elements received at the beginning. Again, animals of new kinds arise occasionally from the connection of individuals belonging to different species 
as the mule is the offspring of an ass and a mare. But even these existed previously in their causes, in the works of the six days. Some also existed beforehand, by way of similitude, as the souls now created. And the work of the incarnation itself was thus foreshadowed, for as we read in the Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, the Son of God was made in the likeness of men, and again the glory that is spiritual was anticipated in the angels by way of similitude, and that of the body in the heaven, especially the Empyrean. Hence it is written in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 10, Nothing under the sun is new, for it hath already gone before, in the ages that were before us. Second article, whether God rested on the seventh day from all his work. Objection 1. It would seem that God did not rest on the seventh day from all his work, for it is said in John chapter 5 verse 17, My father worketh until now, and I work. God then did not rest on the seventh day from all his work. Objection 2. Further, rest is opposed to movement, or to labor, which movement causes. But, as God produced his work without movement and without labor, he cannot be said to have rested on the seventh day from his work. Objection 3. Further, should it be said that God rested on the seventh day by causing men to rest, against this it may be argued that rest is set down in contradistinction to his work. Now, the words God created or made this thing or the other cannot be explained to mean that he made men create or make these things. Therefore, the resting of God cannot be explained as his making men to rest. On the contrary, it is said in Genesis chapter 2 verse 2, God rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. I answer that rest is, properly speaking, opposed to movement, and consequently to the labor that arises from movement. But although movement, strictly speaking, is a quality of bodies, yet the word is applied also to spiritual things, and in a twofold sense. On the one hand, every operation may be called a movement, and thus the divine goodness is said to move and go forth to its object, in communicating itself to that object, as Dionysus says in the Divine Names too. On the other hand, the desire that tends to an object outside itself is said to move towards it. Hence rest is taken in two senses, in one sense meaning a cessation from work, in the other the satisfying of desire. Now in either sense God is said to have rested on the seventh day, First, because he ceased from creating new creatures on that day, for, as said above, in the article 1, 3, he made nothing afterwards that had not existed previously in some degree in the first works. Secondly, because he himself had no need of the things that he had made, but was happy in the fruition of himself. Hence, when all things were made, he is not said to have rested in his works, as though needing them for his own happiness, but to have rested from them, as in fact resting in himself, as he suffices for himself and fulfills his own desire. And even though from all eternity he rested in himself, yet the rest in himself, which he took after he had finished his works, 
is that rest which belongs to the seventh day. And this, says Augustine, is the meaning of God's resting from his works on that day, in the literal meaning of Genesis 4. Reply to Objection 1. God indeed worketh until now by preserving and providing for the creatures he has made, but not by the making of new ones. Reply to Objection 2. Rest is here not opposed to labor or to movement, but to the production of new creatures and the desire tending to an external object. Reply to Objection 3. Even as God rests in himself alone and is happy in the enjoyment of himself, so our own soul happiness lies in the enjoyment of God. Thus, also, he makes us find rest in himself, both from his works and our own. It is not then unreasonable to say that God rested in giving rest to us. Still, this explanation must not be set down as the only one, and the other is the first and principal explanation. Third article, whether blessing and sanctifying are due to the seventh day. Objection 1. It would seem that blessing and sanctifying are not due to the seventh day, for it is usual to call a time blessed or holy for that some good thing has happened in it, or some evil being avoided. But whether God works or ceases from work, nothing accrues to him or is lost to him. Therefore no special blessing or sanctifying are due to the seventh day. Objection to. Further, the Latin benedictio, blessing, is derived from bonitas, goodness, but it is the nature of good to spread and communicate itself, as Dionysus says in Divine Names 4. The days, therefore, in which God produced creatures deserved a blessing rather than the day on which he ceased producing them. Objection 3. Further, over each creature a blessing was pronounced, as upon each work it was said, God saw that it was good. Therefore, it was not necessary that after all had been produced, the seventh day should be blessed. On the contrary, it is written in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he had rested from all his work. I answer that, as said above, in article 2, God's rest on the seventh day is understood in two ways. First, in that he ceased from producing new works, though he still preserves and provides for the creatures he has made. Secondly, in that after all his works, he rested in himself. According to the first meaning, then, a blessing befits the seventh day, since, as we explain in question 72, the blessing referred to the increase by multiplication, for which reason God said to the creatures which he blessed, increase and multiply. Now, this increase is effected through God's providence over his creatures, securing the generation of like from like. And according to the second meaning, it is right that the seventh day should have been sanctified, since the special sanctification of every creature consists in resting in God. For this reason, things dedicated to God are said to be sanctified. Reply to Objection 1 the seventh day is said to be sanctified, not because anything can accrue to God or be taken from him, but because something is added to creatures by their multiplying and by their resting in God. 
Reply to Objection 2. In the first six days, creatures were produced in their first causes, but after being thus produced, they are multiplied and preserved, and this work also belongs to the divine goodness. And the perfection of this goodness is made most clear by the knowledge that in it alone God finds his own rest, and we may find ours in its fruition. Reply to Objection 3. The good mentioned in the works of each day belongs to the first institution of nature, but the blessing attached to the seventh day to its propagation. End of question 73